she trusted him. Um, LeVar was supposed to be overlooking this also, but I believe LeVar spread himself too thin. I mean, he's calling out the Celtics for their game plan against Kimball Walker, even though his history's wrong. Zion, I I've said this before, one name, you know, Oprah, Madonna, LeBron, Kobe, Magic, Bird. Chris Broussard here, and welcome to the brand new Hoops on Fox podcast. This podcast will give you your daily dose of all things NBA from Fox Sports, including the best content from Skip and Shannon, Nick Wright, plus special guests, fresh NBA content from myself, post-game interviews from NBA stars around the league, and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Up first, Chris Broussard joins Skip and Shane to discuss the Ball family and the possibility of big baller brand closing shop. NBA analyst, Chris Broussard, good morning. Good morning. I will start with Shannon here, though. What's your reaction to this story? Sad. I'm disappointed. Um, if these allegations are true, that someone in this normally family, someone that, that's close to you, that you trust, although this guy's not blood-related, but he's almost like family, um, he trusted him. Um, LeVar was supposed to be overlooking this also, but I believe LeVar spread himself too thin. Um, trying to You mean like overseeing it? Oh, overse overseeing yeah, overseeing yeah, right, everything. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. he's trying to get Jello into the NBA. He's he trying to get LaMelo to a school. Yep. He's got a water company. Right. He's trying to grow Big Baller. And <clears throat> while you're doing all this, there's someone siphoning money from your elder son. Allegedly. <clears throat> Allegedly. Yeah. And it, it's just, it's just mm -hmm. sad that this is happening. Um, I'm glad Lonzo is starting to... It looks like he's starting to take ownership of his career. Sure does. I mean, if, if you take his Instagram post at, at face value, yep. he says, I'm a man now. I'm going to be my man. I'm moving in a different direction. It reported that the Lakers think that the big ball and shoe might have had something to do with uh, his... his uh, they his... asked Lonzo, you think it's the it shoe? Did, yeah. It's got to be the shoe. This is what he we was know... playing in buddies, all right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is. Yeah, I, I know what buddies are. <laughs> but normally when you start a shoe, there's a lot of R&D that goes into that shoe. I don't know how much research and development went into Big Baller brand. I'm just saying it. it, it skip, did did you have... get yours? I don't know. Did I you did. ever get them? I did. Man? I did, yeah. Yeah, and, what do you think of them? I held them. They look all right, but I got the first model. If I was the first model, now if I was a security guard with a flashlight, you know, and I'm trying to make sure they aware. <laughs> they good for that. But that's about that's it. Quite an endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the thing. If I'm Lonzo, Skip, do you know this guy's resume? This guy was sentenced to more than seven years, pleading, pleading guilty to mail fraud and two counts of money laundering. Mm -hmm. Defrauding 70 investors of four million dollars, mm -hmm. and you put him in charge of the money. Mm -hmm. Come on, Skip. A guy got arrested, spent time in prison for mail fraud and embezzling, yep. and you put him in charge of the money. Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. You can't. There's no way. I don't care if it's my brother. My brother go right. do time for stealing money. He can't be in charge of my money. Now, somebody else might be fool enough to let him be in charge, but he can't be in charge of mine. So I'm, I'm sorry, Lonzo. I hope this is not true. And if it is true, I hope you can recoup everything. Mm -hmm. But Skip, man, man, people don't know. People ain't going to do this. I lost some money one time. I lost a big chunk of money one time. And I want to put that thing to his head. Mm. <laughs> Real talk, Skip Bayless. But you know I'm saying? You know what? 
I go to jail. I'm going to go to jail. Because I'm going to go to jail. I know I'm going to go to jail. And then my kids. My kids were very young then. It wasn't 1.5. It was 500,000, Skip. And it's the dude took it. A lot of dudes right. took it. And I, I, I really thought about it. I really did think about it. Friend? No, it wasn't a friend. It's somebody, you know, I trust. Someone, you know, this guy's doing a good job. I mean, at first, he was doing a good job. Yeah. Mm. But all good things come to an end. Mm. And uh, I'm glad the discretion was that, you know, I thought about it. But, man, this is 1.5 million is a lot of money. Right. It, first of all, if it's $2, I worked hard to get those $2, and you took my money. Yeah. This is, I'm with you, Shannon. This is sad, number one. We know we this guy Alan Foster's been up here. We've all had, you know, uh, our VAR's been I've on the show. Him. He comes right. every time with the Yeah, seemed like a nice guy. He runs and their social media. So yeah. it was sad. When I saw the story and his sure. picture, I was this was just stunned mm -hmm. because you had dealt with this guy. Um, and also for all the mistakes that LeVar has made. And there's plenty with all three of his sons. Yeah. I mean, Le LeAngelo should still be at UCLA. Sure. LaMelo should still have college eligibility. Right. You know, if he hadn't gone there. I mean, he's he's done some major, made some major mistakes with those kids. However, you could always say it seemed like he meant well. Yes. And I think he did mean well. And he loved this family. So what I hope, because there's reports that that the the kids have removed the pictures yeah. of his their dad and Big Baller Brand from Instagram. I hope that the family is not estranged. Now, obviously, you got to get rid of Alan Foster. Yeah. But hopefully, and the dad. I mean, not looking at the emails you mentioned, putting the guy in charge of the money. That was terrible. Not looking at the email from the agent. It, they sent it in October about all the misdeeds financially. Reportedly, LeVar didn't look at it until a week ago. Mm -hmm. So that's horrible. horrible. So I get why they're, if they're mad with their dad, I get it. But hopefully, they will be able to work it out as a family sure. and just be a regular mm -hmm. family. Like, the dad, you, you're not involved with my you're business. You're a dad. You're just a dad. You're just a dad. Now, I think, like you said, it's great for Lonzo. He hashtagged on Instagram, my own man. I didn't like him putting the number two in the rafters. Just become a legitimate okay. starter first. I you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But I think we're going to see the best of Lonzo. Like, whatever that is, whether that's an all-star, like Skip may think, or that's just a good starter, whatever, he, I think he's going to get a better trainer. Yes. I think he'll be healthier, whether it's the sneakers or not. I just think we'll see the best of Lonzo going forward. And I would say this, Shannon, and maybe you can relate to it, Sometimes, and I, it's been, I've been a victim, in the black community with the racism historically and that still goes on today with mass incarceration, with the war on drugs, I know guys that have spent many years in prison. I got some friends that have spent many years in yeah. prison. And a lot of times you give them the benefit of the doubt you want because you may think they may have done something wrong or maybe the system, they, you know, caught up with them and they... Or you think they're rehabilitated. And now, I wouldn't have put him in charge of the money, like you said. But I've been burned by not... I haven't lost money, and obviously not to this extent, but I've been disappointed. I trusted some guys that have been in prison that I, I thought they would change their behavior. I thought, you know, and I've ended up disappointed because they didn't act like I thought they would. And so I can understand when LeVar said, I believe the best in people, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can understand how he may have known about this guy's background, but still thought, this is my man. I can trust him.
He wouldn't and do that to me. He was burned. Mm. He wouldn't do that to us, Skip. Right. So obviously, I remain a big Lonzo fan, basketball-wise. Mm -hmm. This just tears me up for how hard his father made it for this kid. Because not only did he just about talk him straight out of the league as the number two overall pick, playing point guard for Magic Johnson in his home area of Los Angeles. That's hard enough. Mm -hmm. But when you say he's better than Steph, he's better than LeBron, blah, 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 it just makes it harder and harder. And we all hark back to Patrick Beverly on opening night, just said, I'm going to destroy this kid, and I'm going to point to you in the stands, LeVar, because this is for you, mm -hmm. not for this poor kid, because he's just a in an NBA baby. Right. I, I don't know what, you know, th this has got to be devastating, embarrassing, completely distracting when you're trying to play basketball and you got this yeah. hanging over your head. Mm -hmm. And this, this is why I'm so disappointed in LeVar. And I've defended him many times on this show just because he loves his kids to a fault. But LeVar is straight out of Compton. And I thought he had one of the highest BS detectors you could have because he, he knows the streets. Right. He, 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 he should be able to see it and feel it before it happens. And I'm pretty sure he knew nothing about Alan Foster's background. And when he met Alan Foster, he was fresh out of prison for financial fraud. Worse, if you go back to his records, Alan Foster had gotten busted on a gun charge carrying a, a weapon see without a, weapon. a permit. And then he violated his probation on that. On top of that. And then he went to... And, and listen to what the prosecutor said about the financial prosecuting of, of um, Alan Foster. He says they targeted African-Americans that they got to know through churches and by other means, and they made various misrepresentations of them about their ability to return large sums on investments, which were false. Now, that's just the lowest of the low to yeah. me, and that's the guy you chose because he had a son who was in seventh grade with Lonzo at Chino Hills, whatever that yeah. Yeah. middle school yeah. would mm -hmm. be there, right? And because the sons became buddies, then all of a sudden, Alan Foster was able to buddy up with LeVar, and LeVar just completely bought in and trusted him. And he got flim-flammed, allegedly. Yep. Allegedly. Now, think about that. LeVar Ball straight out of Compton getting flim-flammed. I, I don't think it was like by a, like a friend. He, he just got to know him, but you got to check people's backgrounds. I just don't think he knew anything I, about I this. I bet he knew that he had been in prison. You think so? Yeah, because he probably knows a lot of guys that have been in prison. For financial you know? fraud, and then you hand now him the they, keys they, to your Maybe kingdom? he didn't know he was in for financial right, fraud. Right, right. Maybe, like you he said, the, the gun charge, Skip. But the thing is, and, and you see that a lot of times, uh, the he church probably is, didn't know what, what it was. The vulnerable right. is in church, because the last place you expect to be a victim of is in the church, I know it. No, but you ain't You want to believe the people, Yeah, yeah, you ain't going to... They trying to live for God. What did they say? Will a man rob God? No, he might not rob God, but he'll get you. Next, Portland Trailblazer C.J. McCollum joins Fox Sports producer Kristen Scott to talk about Zion Williamson, John Morant, free agency, and the Trailblazers playoffs. So, C.J., here on behalf of Old Spice, let's get right to it. Um... March Madness is here, and you have some particularly special memories from the tournament. Um, in 2012, your Lehigh squad beat number two because a 15 seed. Um, be honest, going into that game, did you guys think that you would actually have a chance against that squad? Uh, I think some of my teammates thought we had a chance. I mean, I thought we were going to win. You know, going into the game, I felt like we had the the right amount of experience, the right amount of coaching, and fearlessness to win but I think there's some players on the team that definitely felt like uh, we were going to get blown out and, and be home uh, in time to take our exams 
looking back, what's the thing you remember most about that game? I said, I, I'm a food guy, so I remember the popcorn, the smoothies. I remember the cheerleaders crying in the stand after we won. I remember you know, getting the switch you know, in front of the Duke bench on the, on the big and the crossover step back and looking at the bench and then saying some things I can't repeat to you. <laughs> um, it was a, it was a really, really good time, honestly, just being able to be playing that type of environment. Have my family there, having a lot of alumni there. Um, my brother was overseas in Europe watching, so it was just a nice uh, time and something that I'll remember forever. You said you were talking to Chuck and Kenny after the game a little bit. What were you guys saying to each other after the game? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of guys were celebrating, jumping around and, and high-fiving and hugging and stuff, and I, I was just more so thinking about um, the next game. Uh, I try to live in, you know, in the moment, but a lot of times I kind of look ahead to see what's next. After you accomplish something, and then really celebrate it once it's over. So I was just trying to figure out who we're going to play next, and um, I remember telling my parents that if we went one more game, I'm going to, I wanted to declare for the draft. Yeah. So... So we end up losing the next game. I declare for the draft anyway and end up going back to school. Well, Duke, right now, being the number one overall seed in the tournament, there's 63 teams right now You know, looking for that secret to beating those guys. What can you tell them? What's the secret? Well, this team is a little different than the team I played against. <laughs> but um, I think in order to have success against a, a number one seed or a team like Duke, you've know, you got to have confidence. you know, you got to have a little bit of um, leadership and experience. Uh, it always helps to have guys who played in the tournament before that just are fearless and not afraid of the big moment. And um, you got to be able to execute down the stretch, uh, whether that's making free throws, taking care of the ball, getting to the free throw line, you know, being able to get stops. Um, a lot of these games are going to be close and come down to the last few possessions. And if you have somebody who can take over a game or someone who can change a game, uh, you have a really good chance of winning regardless of the rest of the roster. Who do you think is the biggest threat to Duke in the tournament? Uh, the biggest threat to do. I think there's a lot of quality teams out there who can perform at Michigan State. I mean, coached by Tom Izzo, I think they're good. I think Virginia is good. I think you know, a team like Buffalo, you know, having experience, you know, playing the tournament last year, and you know, beating beating some teams and, and and being ranked and you know having that you know underdog mentality. I think they're a good team. Um, looking around the rest of the league, uh, North Carolina is good. You know, obviously, the ACC, Big Twelve. There's a lot of good teams. It's just about you know playing playing well the right night because it's only one game, it's not a series, and a lot can happen in that one game. Have you filled a, a bracket out? Who's your pick to win it all? I haven't. Honestly, I'm terrible. <laughs> I haven't filled a bracket out. Um, I don't even know who all the number one seeds are <laughs> besides Duke and probably Carolina or Virginia. But uh, I'll fill one out, check it out. Uh, I want to say Duke's going to win it all, but they're so young. And you just never know what's going to happen in the late tournament. Sometimes the most talented team is just not a team that wins it. So I'll look at the look at the bracket and uh, try to make a decision. Who do you have winning it all? UVA. UVA? Yeah, I just think Tony Bennett just coaches up a nice squad. Yeah, I like Tony Bennett. Mm. He's really good. Good at what he does. <laughs> you can't go wrong, honestly. You can't go wrong with an ACC team or, or a Big Ten team. Your current teammate, South Curry, was on that Duke team. Do you ever give him shit about that game? <laughs> we we talked about it a few days ago when it was ready to get up. And, you know, I kind of brought it up. I said, uh, should I tell him happy uh, happy anniversary? 
And uh, we we didn't really get into details besides, you know, it was just a fun, fun moment. Well, fun for me, not fun for him. And uh, we just kind of talked about some of the matchups and, and Damax, how, how why him and Austin weren't guarding me in any of the highlights he's seen. And we kind of just laughed at Austin. I said that none of them wanted to guard me. That's why they weren't guarding me. <laughs> but it was, it was all in good fun. I, I don't really bring it up much. Um, I already won. So I don't want to rub it in. <laughs> Sticking with Duke for just a second, but moving on to some of their prospects, in particular this this kid Zion. You've probably heard of him. Um, have you ever seen anything Ooh. like him? Who? Who are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about Zion. Oh, the kid that dunks all the time. Yeah, he's really good. He's gonna be really good. Um, he's got a bright future. He's got a good motor. He's strong. He's got more skill than I think people realize. And so if he can continue to work on his jump shot and improve and uh, stay healthy. You know, I think the sky's the limit for him. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen anything like that. You know, 70%, 60% in the field, dominates an entire game without even really getting plays drawn up for him. It's, it's, it's impressive. When you watch his game, who do you see? That's a combination of a lot of players, but I think it's more athletic Julius Randle, and I'm a big Julius Randle fan. So just seeing his, you know, strong lefty, you know, rebounder, motor, um, jump shots in the works, but Julius is shooting like 35 from three now, so I see a lot of similarities, but he's just more athletic. His end-to-end speed and his athleticism are, are off the charts, so it's hard to really compare him to a lot of players, but I see the lefty and the, just the overall motor and dominance you know, factor. Yeah, and, and there's another guy making a name for himself, and he doesn't come out of the ACC. He comes out of mid-majors like you did, John Morant. Um, who does he remind you of as a player? He's he's a dog. I like him. He's athletic. And he's got some like flashes of Westbrook with his athleticism. He's got really good vision. Um I think people just like him in terms of his teammates, his coaching staff, you know, fans across the country. He has a moxie and a flair to his game that is very likable. So I think he's gonna be really good. Average like twenty four, twenty five at ten assists. Kind of shows you that he makes everybody better around them, and uh, they're going to be a really good team. And they got a they got an interesting matchup coming, you know, with uh, Marquette and uh, another scoring guard he's going to be matched up with. Yeah, that Marcus Howard guy. What would your advice to him, to uh, John Morant, be going into that matchup, going up against someone as electric as Marcus Howard? Kill him. That'd be my advice. Make a statement. <laughs> dominate the one-on-one matchup and make your team win. And that's enough said right there to, to really show who you are as a player in person. I think they're both looking forward to the opportunity to really showcase who they are. And um, you want to really solidify, you know, what you've done throughout the season. I think you just go destroy them. Yeah. That would be my advice. Yeah. So going through that transition um, from the mid-majors to the NBA, what would be your advice to a guy like Ja going through that NBA draft process and trying to make that that transition? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I would tell him is just enjoy the moment. It goes really fast. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can only experience once, and sometimes you can become numb to it. So just really enjoy it. Um, take it all in. Continue to work hard. Keep your uh, circle small. You know your sources of uh, resources and relationships, and, and kind of the people that you trust. Keep it very tight because a lot of people are going to be trying to get in, especially you know, depending on what market he goes to. He's probably going to be in a big market. So 
He's going to have a lot of leeches in the media. We're trying to become part of his squad, so you just got to be cautious with you know, how he moves and who he allows in his circle. Now, when you watch the college game today, who do you see that reminds you most of yourself? That reminds me of me? Yeah. Whew. Man, I don't really... I don't really watch like I used to, but my my young homie is at uh, Buffalo, Javon Graves. He was he's explosive. He won a championship his freshman year. He won another one his sophomore. He's on a good team. Um, they're ranked in the country. I just say just because we're both from the same place. He's young. He's won early. He's really athletic and explosive. Though more explosive than I was, especially at that age. But I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, and I enjoy watching his growth. Now, transitioning uh, to you guys and the playoff hunt, um, you guys are in the thick of it right now. Um, I want to talk about last year a little bit. Damian Lillard was injured, and you guys struggled in the first round. Um, You're injured now. What is your timetable for your return? Um, We're just taking it week by week right now. Um, I'll be evaluated Saturday or Monday. I kind of see where I'm at, see what's improved, um, continue to, to kind of wait on the muscle to fully heal. It's an interesting injury that there's not a lot of research out, out there on, so I just got to take it easy, rehab, do what the doctors say, and uh, I hope for the best, but I should be back sooner than later. I know you told Jennifer that you're trying, but any concern about the playoff run this year? Uh, no, I'm still trying, but there's no concerns. Uh, I think we've worked hard and we continue to work hard and prepare and follow our coaches' uh, game plans. I think we'll be okay. Just got to go out there and compete and have fun and put ourselves in the best position to succeed and hopefully you know, our past experiences and, and past failures help shape us you know, for a nice run this season. And uh, lastly here, your feelings towards super teams are, are well documented. But there's a certain, you know, kind of a big name free agent coming out of, uh, out of Golden State this year. Uh, what would you think about Ooh. him joining you in Portland? Ooh. <laughs> What's the free agent from Golden State? Of course I'm talking about Clay. Clay or KD? KD. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think that, you know, based on, you know, his talent alone and his ability to, you know, run a team, help a team win, Sure, every team in the NBA would want, want to have him on their squad. His versatility, um, explosiveness, MVP candidate. Guy who's won MVP, guy who's been to finals MVP, championship pedigree. Um, it's a no brainer. And, and that's the homie, so you know he's always welcome. That's the decision he wants to make. But uh, I'm sure it takes some time to reevaluate what he wants to uh, do with his future and what he's looking forward to having. And uh, make a decision from there, but. He got my number. <laughs> know what time it is if he wants to come. For sure. Um, tell us a little bit about your partnership with Old Spice. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about my partnership with Old Spice. Uh, they've just launched their new uh, fresher collection, and it features real ingredients and real benefits. Uh, I'm really, really fond of the the moisturized with shea butter because I like soft skin. And I believe this is really helping my skin become more soft, and then they also have the relax with lavender, which is another great, great body wash that allows you to have softer, fresher skin and it's made with real ingredients. And those of you who like, you know, bang for your buck, you can get this product at Walmart. And uh, I'm excited about it because as I travel throughout the country and play different arenas, I can continue to stay fresh. 
Well, I know they don't market towards women, but I might just have to pick me up some. You should definitely get some. <laughs> I think that, you know, women, women alike will enjoy this product. Perfect. Um, CJ, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, best of luck in the playoff hunt. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Nick and Cece break down Kyrie Irving's new comments on the Celtics. Nick, what do you make of what uh, Kyrie had to say? I mean, he's calling out the Celtics for their game plan against Kimball Walker, even though his history's wrong. You said this for the show, C, and you're, oh, Kyrie's been on the Celtics for two years. Kimball Walker has had two good games against the Celtics. Once earlier this year when he went for 43, I think, and then this game s- Saturday. But even in Saturday's game, he only had 18 points through three quarters. Now, he was spectacular in the fourth, in the fourth quarter, but... Kimba, since Kyrie's been there, 20, 24, 23, 43, 21, 21 in that game at 36. But that is Kyrie, to me, taking a totally unnecessary shot at the coaching staff and the defensive game plan because the guy he's supposed to be checking went off because his matchup outplayed him, particularly in the fourth quarter. And for the Celtics, a season that's had a bunch of low points, 6-10 and now since the All-Star break, since the All-Star break, 1-8 and eight against playoff teams. Now there's 12 teams in the league with a better record than them. This is the latest of the low points. That was Saturday. They then lost again yesterday in a game that just didn't have the post-game controversy. Yeah, there, there's a number of reasons why I don't have concern with this is in, in covering the NBA and knowing the NBA and knowing the style the NBA is now. Now it's not, I mean, unless you're a five, a center, you're not going to be matched up with the other guy playing your same position. They have too much pick and roll, too much motion, and Kyrie is typically not going to guard the primary scorer in the backcourt. So unless you do, like, head-to-head numbers, how many times was Kyrie on him and everything to be able to break it down that way? That's the reason why these guard. That's why Harden, it's hard to guard him. That's why if they guard, play OKC, Man, they're not going to have to worry. Paul George is not going to be able to guard him so much. That's why they have set so many pick and rolls. So you can get the type of matchup on the court that you want. A lot of times I did interviews after games, and people thought as if I was calling someone out. And it wasn't. I wasn't calling anyone out. I was just stating the obvious. Kyrie is saying, when we are playing against the Hornets, all right, we need to do something, Bill, take the ball out of Kimba's hand. He shouldn't beat us. We should allow the other players to beat us. A lot of times we've played against Jerry Rice a couple times. This is one reason why Terrell Owens doesn't like me. Him and J.J. Stokes, Terrell Owens, had big games late in the game. And I came out after the game and said, you know something? I, can un- I, would, I would understand if Jerry Rice beat us. He's the best wide receiver. But the other guys, I don't know who they were. And at the time... They were no-name guys. I wasn't calling out the defense. I was just basically stating the obvious, that you have to take away Jerry Rice. These other guys who I don't know, they end up dominating us. So, to me, he wasn't calling him out. And when you are calling out a coach, typically you have the facts together, like you know. So, Brad Stevens is not going to take offense to this because he knows it's not true. Kimba hadn't been dominating them, and this was just a bad quarter so he's not calling out the coach he's not standing up for the coach he's just saying late in the game we got to take the ball out of Kimba's hand so to me it's not something personal people who aren't used to interviews and everything they will take it as this when I read the headlines I said people are going to say Kyrie called out the coach when many a times I stated what was going on in the game 
And because it was contrary to what the strategy was, I wouldn't question the offense and defensive coordinator. Well, I, listen, I obviously can't speak to the, inter the your motivation in your interviews, but I, but I, watching that, I am, I totally disagree with you. I think Kyrie, when he said, when he added, he paused. He said, I don't know why we didn't blitz him. And then he paused and added, like every other team in the league does, that is a shot. That is, in my eyes, a clear, there's a strategy to take the ball out of Kimball Walker's hands when he's their best player. We have a defensive strategy where we don't do that to anyone. They don't even do that to Steph. And they've had good success against the Warriors. I don't know why we didn't do it. I don't know. I would understand why you wouldn't do it to Steph because the Warriors have a bunch of different options. I get the point Kyrie's making. He might even be right that they should do it. But... It was, to me, it was very clear. I just think that sometime in the NBA, the players, the reason why the players aren't happy is because we go through this line of questioning so many times where how can they answer the right way? Kyrie did not call out the coach, all right? He was questioning the strategy at the end to help us win the game. That's why guys don't like doing interviews because all the time it gets construed as something else. What can you? What can I comment on then? Well, you see, I just—I mean, it's fine that we disagree on this, but I, the there are so this isn't my this isn't nitpicking. Oh, he said it like this is very clear. There's a million unless we know from Kyrie that he called it out. We're guessing, and I've done so many interviews that people after the interviews swore up and down I was calling someone out, and I was stating the obvious in the game. They can't let Kimba go off in the fourth quarter, and that was obvious. Maybe we should double team him. Now, what people call calling out, making the coach look bad, the coach has been paid a lot of money, and he's an adult. The coach is not a kid. And the star player actually talking about strategy, that's what we want after the game compared to these baked-in, just same old answers from the players. The reason why they didn't win this game was because Kimba dominated in the fourth quarter. And Kyrie basically said that. And, well, and regardless of whether he's calling the coach out or not, because we're not going to agree on it, what we all know is the Celtics right now, they, they can't beat good teams. They are now, granted, Al Horford didn't play this week, and he's very important to them. They are going to finish the season amazingly as the fifth seed. Indiana's going to stay ahead of them, even though Oladipo's going to have missed about half the season. And they are going to be a team with a losing road record, is now going to be on the road to start, Every playoff series they play in, and if they get past the first round, they're going to be staring at a Milwaukee team that's been the best team in basketball all year in round two. For Kyrie and the Celtics, whether he has beef with Brad Stevens or not, you can start counting down the days that Kyrie Irving's got left as a Celtic. How many games they got left? Okay, so they've got eight games left, plus call it five to ten. In Maybe the that's what the story is compared to Kyrie. Because I know someone on the coaching staff is responsible for the offensive strategy and the defensive strategy. When they play good defense, they talk about that coach. They didn't talk about it this time. So now Kyrie could have been talking about the assistant coach. We don't. We can't just assume that him and Brad Stevens have some that, type of beef because we think that Kyrie is leaving. That that, that, that one we don't disagree with. That I, to me it was clearly calling out the coaching staff, but I can't say it was specifically Brad Stevens. And I don't think this is the reason. Some beef with Brad Stevens is not going to be why Kyrie leaves but this team is not going to reach anywhere close to its preseason expectations they will be fortunate to make it to the second round which means you got about at most 18 games left with Kyrie Irving if as a you Celtic. look at all the key components to the Celtics that being their front office Danny Ainge that being Brad Stevens their head coach that being their starting lineup and their first three to four subs the only person that's had a good year is Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, Irving. 
So we need to hear more from Kyrie Irving. Danny, not a good year. Brad Stevens, not a good year. Starting five outside of Kyrie, not a good year. Bench players, not a good year. So Kyrie Irving, the only one doing something in Boston. Following Doug Gottlieb joins Colin Coward to discuss Zion Williamson and the possibility of Kyrie leaving the Celtics this offseason. He is a college basketball expert, but knows so much more. He's the Duggar Fox Sports Radio after my show. You know we got him today. Let's bring in Doug Gottlieb. Awesome. Oh, they man, I was sitting there watching that game with seven guys yesterday, and they're all complaining, and I'm like, hey, UCF, hit the alley-oop dunk, you win the basketball game. What did you make of the no call on the rebounding thing? Well, there's a series of, of no calls. Yeah. Right? First, Zion Williamson drives to his right and spins back to his left. Yeah. Now, it's I hate it in college basketball, but nine times in ten, that's called a charge. Yeah. Then he drives in and Taco Fall, all of seven foot twelve, yeah. is at the rim, not trying to take a charge, hand straight up. That's called verticality. Yeah. Okay. Eight to seven to eight times in ten in all of basketball. Now that's not called a foul. It was called a foul for Duke. Then Zion Williamson, and this shouldn't be dismissed. And I love the kid. Chokes the free throw, right? Yeah. If you front rim a free throw that you make it, you tie the game. Yeah. That's choking a free throw. So even if we say, hey, R.J. Barrett pushed off, which is pretty clear, and but there is no box out. Should have been a foul. Okay, I, I could accept the on the other. If you look at the other side, the other block, hey, it, it's what's called a hook and hold. Watch, as UCF's player tries to box out, and there's a hook and hold of his arm. That's a point of emphasis in college basketball because last year. So you don't like the officiating? I, I just thought that the way in which college basketball has been officiated all season long is one way. And in 30 seconds right there, it was completely okay, different. So let me ask you this. College basketball is one. All basketball is like this. Yeah. I, I heard your opening rant, and yeah. you are right. But, but End of the game, it's World War Three. It is. Show me what you got, lower in test of fortitude. <laughs> Go and get a rebound. And I, no excuses. By the way, on I, the other hand, a, sh a shove in the back is usually called. Yeah, I mean, I just think. It was a foul. Uh, officials generally just want to get the heck out. I, I remember LeBron, Katie, in the baseline about two years ago in the final two or three. LeBron hooked him, and everybody's crying. And I'm like, superstars, basket, minute left. They just. But there, there's, there's a difference between a, uh, a hook of a, on an an offensive move, right? Yeah, but and you see push in the back when a guy jumps and you push him in the back and get the rebound laid in. Like that's a foul. It, it's a foul. Well, so is the it's Hail Mary. But uh, a Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Hail Mary. You're pushing guys. Nobody calls anything. Those are all fouls. Yes. Again, different. Like this is one against one. I have inside position. I I, I leave the ground. I you push me in the back. Yes. Do I think it's a? Do I think there's a similarity? Yes. But in basketball. It's almost always called. It just is. I, the, the, the part I would, the only part I would defend is, is if, if you're Central Florida, you're not supposed to jump there. What you're supposed to do is the second the shot goes up, box root out. a guy out and box, box him out. Yes. He didn't do that. Yeah. Um, by the way, Zion, I, I've said this before. The, one name, you know, Oprah, Madonna, LeBron, Kobe, Magic, Bird, there's a reason the Greek freak, although wildly talented, we didn't know who he was out of college. Uh, last name's hard to describe uh, or say for most people. Zion looks, sounds, feels like a superstar in this league. His game is joy. It's Duke, Zion, yes. Z, one name. I'm watching this kid. There's no subtlety. He jumps off a television set. I think he's going to fly past all but about three NBA stars when he walks in in terms of value, excitement, ticket sales. He'll never be LeBron, at least not. He probably won't be Durant or Steph. When you watch him, when's the last time a college basketball player was this big? 
well, I mean, Ben Simmons didn't play in the NCAA tournament. But he wasn't. I, I wasn't rushing to my TV to watch Ben Simmons. Well, it's also it's the combination of the fact that there was a buildup with the YouTube dunks. Yes. He plays for Duke. Yes. Um, it, look, playing for Duke has a ton of value. Yes. Like, we are, we're, so many people in our positions are in such denial of what, this, what the tournament does for the value of the brands of the players. Yes. John ja Morant, everybody in basketball knew who John ja Morant was. He won one game and suddenly became kind of a household name. Yeah. Why? Because his team played in the tournament and beat Marquette, right? Yeah, right. So I, I think Zion, the combination of uh, the YouTube buildup, the dunks, the fact that he's uh, a little bit different than other guys, he does appear kind of bigger than life, and then <laughs> yeah. he plays for Duke. And he makes Duke likable, and he plays with a smile on his face. So I love him. I, you know, look, when I sat in your seat, and I, I told you this before off air, I think as long as people have reasonable, they're not going to, but reasonable expectations of what he will be. Yeah. Okay? He is, if you combined uh, Blake Griffin and Roddy Rogers and uh, Draymond Green and maybe a little bit of LeBron, right? That's what you mush what them together. What about Barkley? A little bit of Barkley. People forget that when Barkley came out early in his career, he was a freak athlete. Oh, good Lord. And, and if Barkley played in the NBA today, he's really self-deprecating. He's like, ah, I couldn't play. In, that's not true. Oh, if he could play in the NBA today, he would be Draymond Green, only an offensive weapon. Yeah. Draymond's a, really an, his, his only offensive weapon where he's passing the basketball. Barkley would be great any era. I understand. But, but back then, Barkley was an undersized power forward. Right. Now, Barkley would be a small ball center in small ball lineups, which is what Zion Williamson will be, and he'll be a very good one. He's, he's making threes more now he's, he's comfortable as a passer he's a high basketball iq he plays hard the question is going to be his body what's his weight going to be how long can he play at that weight brad stevens is a great coach in college and pro he's got an offensive system and sometimes and i'm not blaming anybody here then you get Kyrie. and i was saying this morning in the history of the nba if you had a one-on-one -on -one tournament for guys under 6-3 Kyrie would potentially win it left hand right he's a great closer shoot basket i mean he's really an amazing talent could I make the argument that it's not Kyrie's fault, it's not Brad Stevens' fault, that they just don't... By the way, Mike D'Antoni doesn't work well with a lot of bigs. Uh, Greg Popovich would not be good with Kobe as much as they said they would have loved to have played together. Kyrie and Brad Stevens, it's not a good fit. Yeah, I don't know if it's just Kyrie and Brad Stevens, but there is something amiss with this team. You know, they were 2 of 18 from 3 in the first half. Uh, the other day, two of 18 from, like, stop shooting threes, right. you know, at, at, at some point. Um, and who's taking, who's taking those threes? But there is, there's something to a, a fight over, uh, Joy and I have talked about this. Is it the conch or the kunk from Lord of the Flies? <laughs> I don't know. It, okay, so whoever had the conch or kunk, which was, what was it? Conk. Conk. Conk, okay. Whoever had the conk had the power. Gronk and conk today on the and show. It, and it's like they're all wrestling for it. Kyrie's like, look, I got it, I got it. Well, all right, fine, dude. What are you going to do now when you leave? Right, right. Uh, so um, I, I do think there's some sort of disconnect between that staff, which is made up of, you know, business types, right? Like like Brad is, there's no facial expression. There's <laughs> there's no ups, there's no down. He's just solid as the day is long. Almost, you know, kind of like a banker. Remember, that's his, his background after he got out of playing in college before right. he went back in and, and the rest of his staff are all really smart, really good guys. And then you have, you know, then there's kind of a different group there that they brought in from what they used to have, you yeah. know, like, um, the Morris twin is a, is a leader and a vet and a tough guy, but sometimes a tough guy to, to work with others. And then you have, you know, Kyrie, he's who, a big personality who is, he's, he's still trying to kind of find himself sure. let alone find his leadership voice. Um, then you have Marcus Smart, who, 
can't shoot, doesn't seem to know he can't shoot, <laughs> but is invaluable with all the other little things he does. Right. You know, then you got Terry Rozier. It's like, wait, I was good at times last year in the playoffs, and I'm playing. Le-. There's just there's something amiss there with the Celtics, right. where if you think chemistry doesn't matter, I give you the Boston Celtics, who on paper should be one of the elite teams in the NBA, and yet are all over the map. The only problem with with saying with calling the Celtics dead is look at the West, and you got the Oklahoma City Thunder, who a couple months ago were. You know, like a rocket ship. And now... And now they're a disaster in their own right. Uh, Sometimes guys are around each other too much. That's also a problem. By by the way, in in both situations, you have a star point guard, Westbrook and Kyrie, who are all-time talents. And basketball is a unique game. Kobe at the end was no day at the beach to play with because the game changed. But he also wasn't a point guard, and it's different. Like, What happens with people is they, they look at assist numbers. And they do this for Russell, and they do this for Kyrie. And like, well, look at all the assists he had. Like, you can be, and I know this because that's what I did. Like, you can be selfish and get assists. Yeah, Steph like, Marbury. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's, there's a way to do it. In basketball, if you throw it to a guy and he jumps up and makes a shot, like, that's an assist for you. You can also hold the ball so that it's not the, the hockey assist is what you want. You want to get it moving and have an extra pass, but that's not what these guys do. They want to make every single play. They want to either make the shot, get fouled, or create the shot for others. But you know, going back to the Celtics, they, they are a mess. And I, I think we all assumed by now they would have it together, but I think it feels worse, not better. Finally, Chris Broussard is back with Skip and Shan to look at the Lakers season and why LeBron shouldn't be the sole reason for their failures. Game gods. Skip Bayless is watching too. And make sure you put that dub on him, Bron. Excuse I, I am me, a game Shannon. Thank you. Those basketball gods are always watching. Okay, Chris is still with us. And even though Shannon wanted to jump in there, Chris, I'm going to start with you. What do you make of those comments? I think it, it was a little melodramatic with all the talk about the game gods and the basketball gods. What about the game devil? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, yeah, you crossed the table from me. For all the criticism you can level at LeBron and the meltdown against Dallas, whatever happened against Boston. And the meltdown against Golden State. Last year, game one, Golden State, uh, you know, getting mad about JR. For all the criticism you can level at him, one thing you cannot say is that he doesn't love the game. Okay. Like, he, I mean, and and you might think everybody loves the game. In the NBA, the NFL... You got players that love the game. You have players that like the game or may not even like the game, but they love what it brings, the women, the fame, the fortune, all that. You know the difference because the guys that don't love the Mm -hmm. game, when they get the money or they get, you know, some, some degree of success, they don't improve. For LeBron to have all the accomplishments he has on and off the court to still be spending $1.5 million on his body, to last year have played 82 games in his 15th year. To play the minutes he played. What, he lead the league in minutes per game two last years. year? Two years. Like, two, last two or three years. He okay. does love okay. the game. So I, believe, I think he's right on the money when he says, you know, I, I go out there and give it my all. Even though we're out of it, I'm giving it my all. Now, some people are going to point to, well, you're cheating the basketball guys when you, talk, when you don't play defense. That's just going to be a reality for LeBron James at this mm, point. Yeah. In your 16th Some and 17th year. Some people aren't going to say that. I'm going to say that. Right. Go ahead. In your 16th yeah. and 17th yeah. year, you don't have the stamina. You don't have the quickness. You don't have the lateral movement. He's not going to be getting after defensively. He's going to have to be a good team defender, communicate, and all that. 
but he's not. They're gonna have to cover for him at times. He's not gonna be a great defender. But I, I agree with him. And, and here's the last thing: some people think he should shut it down. We know he wants to break Kareem's record. I don't know if he'll admit it. We know he wants to. Yeah, he's going to get it. And I have no... Pr- so he may be thinking, I need just about every game I can he get, does. right? He's not going to play, I guess, the second night of back-to-backs or whatever. But I have absolutely no problem with LeBron going out and playing these meaningless games. As long as you're not, like, sc- trying to score at the that is hurting your team... You're playing your normal game. He is. And yeah. I'm fine with Because everybody, Jordan, Magic, Kareem, everybody also wants individual accolades. Of you course. Don't want, you want to win, of course, but you also want those individual records if you're that level of player. And so I have no problem if some of this is LeBron like, you know, I got I got to try to get to Kareem, so I need to play. They're going to get it. Mm. And LeBron James, it's gonna one, be a challenge. That's it. We love challenges. It was challenging being born to a single mother at 15, getting up out of Akron, and becoming this guy. So that was a challenge. This was about to be a piece of cake, Skip Bayless. Mm. Anyway, as I was saying before, I, I was, haven't even spoken. No, but he has. The, yeah. the, you know, LeBron say the devil, the de- uh, uh, the gods, the basketball yeah, gods, but there's a basketball devil yeah. that he's also talking Just about. The truth teller. No, you ain't <laughs> no truth teller. <laughs> LeBron's not gonna cheat anything. Yeah. He's gonna give you everything he has on the court. And see, he's in a very I've never seen anything like this. If LeBron doesn't play, they're going to say, yeah, because he ain't in the playoff. He don't want to be around these guys. Right. But I bet if he's in the playoff, he'd be playing. Now he's playing. Oh, these are meaningless games. Why he playing? So how does he win? He goes out there and gives you 35 minutes. He's now, they, they reduced it to he's playing about 32, 33 minutes a night. Mm-hmm. He bumped it up last night because they had a chance to win the game, and they ended up winning. Yeah. But he can't win. Mm. Everybody knows LeBron is going out there giving you everything he, he can. Put tw- a triple-double. Not going to win them all. But my thing is, if he plays, why he playing? They're out of the playoffs. I don't even know. Kobe wouldn't even play. If Jordan was out of the playoffs, they wouldn't even play. Jordan wasn't in the playoffs the last two years when he was at uh, 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 Washington. Washington. Mm. And he played all 82, didn't he, Skip? Mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant was trying to play every single game yeah. because, as Kobe said... He hate when players sit out yep. because it's going to go by so quick mm-hmm. and you're going to look back and like, damn. You're going to be a young man when yeah, you learn. And I, I wish I'd have played these games. So, LeBron, keep on. Set the example mm. of what a professional. There's a difference between being a pro and a professional. Mm. A professional is your occupation. Mm. A pro is how you handle your business. Really? And this man handles his business in the utmost in the most professional mm. way <laughs> we know how. Mm. I'm speaking directly to you. I see that. So, after that big spill of unobjective <laughs> idolatry from across the table. Idolatry. <laughs> Look, you know what? I'm not going to pile on today. I'm not. Because what? LeBron James has never been through this in his life. This is a first for him to have to... It, it's, it's humiliating for him. I think there's some shame attached because for whatever reasons, and there are lots of valid excuses to this, lots of injuries, including his, he's having to play out a string of a team that's way out of the playoffs. They aren't even fighting barely. You know, they're they're not even barely alive for eight. They're they're fighting not to finish second to last is where they're heading. So is he overreacting to this? Is he trying to say, remember, I'm still LeBron James? He is. And I give you all those points. You, you were eloquent in all of the points you made. There are a lot of things that are indefensible in his career, but he has played Please. lots of minutes, and he plays hard. The last two years, 
he mostly quit playing tenacious defense. Right. Mm-hmm. Tenacious. Sometimes he'll pick his spots yeah. occasionally, but but this year there have been some woeful, shameful. The game at Memphis, it's just indefensible. The game against the Clippers when when Kuzma actually had to <laughs> shove him to Gallinari to, to guard him at the three-point line. Yep. It's just so beneath the dignity of an obvious all-time great basketball player. So does that cheat the gods a little bit? Yeah, it probably does. Does he cheat it on offense or, or playing the right way? No, he never does. So he, I watched the game last night. He played hard on offense and occasionally he played a little bit of defense. He plays kind of one-man zone. Yeah, but he, right. Right. But you saw what, what you call oh, tried to back him down. Yeah. <coughs> oh, Bagley Jr., yeah. Bagley too yeah. light to back. You can't go, go Braun down. Uh-uh. Come you here. know what's going to be interesting? Obviously, got three years left on this deal. Yeah. He's put – his numbers are what they are usually. They are. Right? They're great. Yeah. If he continues, say, the next two years to put up these numbers – and they're, I mean, I can't imagine they're not going to make the playoffs next year, even if they don't make changes. But say they don't make the playoffs or they get bounced, they're a low seed, get bounced in the first round. Mm-hmm. That could damage, that could put more of a dent in his legacy mm-hmm. than if he were to just fade away. You know, That's next true. year he averages 22 points. Yep. Then he's down. To, you know, because then you would say, oh, he's just gotten old and, mm-hmm. you know, it happens. But if he continues to be dominant statistically, individually, but he can't raise the team to at least some degree of success, then some people may say, was that just the East? Yep. You know what I mean? Because now you're in the West, your numbers are the same, you're just as dominant, but you can't even win at all, like, to any level. So it's just something that is going to be interesting to watch. Thank you for listening to the Hoops on Fox podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review letting us know what you think of the show.